The Council of Europe saw 64 confirmed cases of modern slavery in Ireland last year, and the Global Slavery Index estimates that as many as 8,000 people could be living this nightmare in Ireland. Is this how modern Ireland treats vulnerable workers? My name is Stephen Norton and you are very welcome to the Good Boss, Bad Boss podcast, episode 12. Thank you for joining us as we explore the good, the bad and the ugly behaviour of bosses. This podcast seeks to entertain, educate and hopefully change some behaviour to make working life better for all. We've met a lot of successful professionals on this show, but what if you are unskilled, poorly educated and possibly even homeless? How do bosses treat the minimum wage workers in Ireland? Are you as horrified as I am to discover that modern-day slavery and indentured servitude exists in modern Ireland? As professionals, as I'm sure most of our listeners are, we often forget the great advantage we gained in our access to education and personal growth in what is, by any measure, an affluent society. I was discussing this with a friend, James Gibbons, who runs a recruitment agency in Leinster, and he introduced me to Reresh Mihai Nikula. Reresh is the Roma Programme Officer with Dublin City Community Cooperative. Rerish works under the Social Inclusion and Community Activation Programme, or SICAP. SICAP, which is funded through the Department of Rural and Community Development, aims to tackle poverty, social exclusion and long-term unemployment through local engagement and partnerships between disadvantaged individuals, community organisations and public sector agencies. James thought this layer of workers would be a good topic to explore, and he wasn't wrong. We mentioned James towards the end of our conversation, and I'm glad to say he's in the good boss category. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Rarish, you're very welcome to the Good Boss, Bad Boss podcast here in the Pillow Hotel in Ashburn. Very kind of them to give us this room. Thank you very much for having me here, Stephen. Uh, it's, it's it's a great pleasure, and it did come as a as a, as a pleasant surprise. Thank yeah, you for having no, me. Absolutely. What I want to talk to you about today is the immigrant experience, and and you have a particularly unique job in that you actually help people in this country navigate their way through that experience. But you're also an immigrant yourself, uh, if people haven't already guessed it from the, the the accent. You you work for Dublin City Community Cooperative. Yes, that's right. What do they do? So Dublin City Community Co-op, or the Co-op uh, in short, is the equivalent of a local community development, uh, uh, LCDC, local community development company. Um, these companies are spread in, in, every, uh, in every county, in every major town. Basically, they, mar- they manage and they further the, lo- the, com- the local community development of, of those areas. So. Uh, I'll give you one example, the Social Inclusion and Community Activation Project, which is uh, managed by Pobble on behalf of the Department of uh, Environment, Local Community and something else. Sorry for, <laughs> for being lost of words. That's okay. Um, so that, that promotes, uh, I suppose, integration, education and employment. Uh, so right. that's, that, that's a big one of the big projects that the Irish government is actually putting out there for members of the Irish community and the non-Irish community. So anything when it comes to, I suppose, um, um, third level education or further education or adult education for uh, language classes, for community development, for representations uh, when it comes for uh, certain communities. I suppose um, 
association groups that like residents association groups all yeah. sorts of so that's all sort of promoted and managed through psycop and being implemented by this local community and development companies hopefully i i was able to explain it quite the able. the layers of bureaucracy are slightly clearer for us at least <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> that's that's true like like yeah. in every local government and yeah. central government uh, and how long have you been working there now so with the co-op i've only been working since may 2019 right. so almost a year now what's a uh, job were you taking on to do so uh, i am uh, the project Im- uh, project uh, officer for roma employment and training program so it's a program that's designed for the members of the roma community um of 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 every nationality uh, because uh, members of the Roma community can be Romanian nationals or citizens, can be uh, Polish citizens, can be Russian citizens, can be Ukrainian, can be Hungarian. There, there, there's a lot of countries in Europe and Eastern Europe that would have uh, yeah. Roma population. So for the members of... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a nationality without a country, isn't it? It is. It is. Well, it's, it's an ethnicity without a country ethnicity. rather than a nationality. Yeah. yeah. It is. That's true. And um, there's great numbers even in the US, Australia. So there are, um, I suppose, global-wide uh, ethnicity, if you want, at, the, yeah, end, yeah. at the end of the day. So the project tries to support the members of this community into employment. So the project is specifically designed to help people get jobs, and we provide supports in doing exactly that, that job activation measures, and support measures around that. So pre-employment and in-employment supports. Because sometimes for the members of the Roma community, getting a job would probably be, be very, very low on the list of priorities. There's widespread illiteracy, so we're talking both uh, numeracy and reading and writing. Um, generally, a lot of people would be homeless, so they would be either in emergency accommodation or rough sleepers. Yeah. Um, there's widespread unemployment in the whole community as such, so there are families with quite numerous children who don't have jobs and rely uh, either on social welfare or they, they don't rely or, on anything in what yeah. regards uh, um, a steady income. So there's family duties uh, um, there. Generally, it's a population that has quite worrying or quite poor health, uh, health, health situation because it's generally a, a genetically closed pool. Okay. Uh, there yeah. tend, tend to be illnesses that perpetuate or come because the, the, yes, yeah. the genetic variety is very, very reduced. So um, diabetes would be something that would be okay. very, very, uh, very common. It's quite it, a... It ha- it's a community difficult. that has challenges. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and it has challenges before then it's stigmatized. Exactly, which is yeah. the, before we get there. Yeah, um, we, we'll come back to that. Um, you're actually from Romania yourself. I am so indeed. You're yes, from Transylvania. In yes. fact, proud Transylvanian from Bistrița. That's the place where I was born. Yeah, I can't say that. I, you know, many people probably have been to Transylvania, but it's definitely somewhere on my hit list. I've always wanted to go and see. Well, You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I, I actually know a lot of Irish people who have been to Transylvania because I think it has ties with Ireland first. Yeah, we have the Bram Stoker. Exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah. that, that's the person who put Transylvania on map. And I suppose, you know, jokingly or not, uh, we got to thank you for that. Probably we're not doing <laughs> as much as we should be in Romania to promote that in terms of tourism. But yeah, thanks to an Irishman, we're we're there in, on the world map. How long have you been in Ireland now? 
12 full years going on the 13th. So in July 2020, it'll be the 13th year. May right. it be lucky. And, and what brought you to this Faroil? It was it was by chance. It was a chance thing. I, as growing up in Romania and coming from a from a family that promoted, I suppose, uh, Romanian cultural values and I suppose um, a glimmer of nationalism as well. I never saw myself as emigrating. Yeah. And I did I did travel uh, throughout Europe uh, before coming here, and I lived in the States for a while. In 2004, I went there with a student visa. Uh, actually, work and travel visa. It was a J-1 visa, as pretty much yes, the whole yeah. Europe has done that. Yeah. Um, and then in 2007, 2006, sorry, I went to Italy to, to for my PhD. I started my PhD in Italy. I have a PhD in sociology of international relations. And that was my course. My course was supposed to be uh, in academia, go finish my PhD, return to Romania and contribute to the society because the society has given me so much free education and that sort of stuff. And at some point, some family friends who were already in Ireland, uh, they had a business and asked me if I don't want to come and help them for three months to run a hotel because I, I was, I suppose, decent enough in, in English. My, my English was quite fluent. I was later to find out that no, it wasn't. <laughs> it took me a while to, to, to adapt to the It was fluent in Romania, yeah. but, not, but not over here. To the accent and all that. So uh, I said, yeah, I'll come for three months. And then the business changed hands. Uh, I said I'll stay for another couple of months just to make you know to to make it because I was I was left jobless so no I, I couldn't I couldn't accept that you know it was something outside my control so another three months another three months and it's been what 150 months uh, <laughs> later yeah and, yeah I'm you're still, still counting in months <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly uh, no I, I I don't think I am <clears throat> I don't think I am going to you know as you said I'm counting in months in months I don't think I'll actually return to Romania and really? I don't think I will leave Ireland as well. Uh, it's it is my home at the end of the day. I mean, I spent here most of my adult life. I've made my perceptions, or I've changed perceptions. I've acquired, uh, I suppose, uh, other traits in my personality. Yeah. I've acquired skills in Ireland. I feel in Ireland very, very, very at home, even though I'm not a citizen. Uh, I feel very at home in Ireland, so I don't think I don't think I, sh I should stop counting in counting in months. <laughs> is there a big difference between Ireland and Romania? Is there a, is there a, is there any culture shock? The first impression, what I like about Ireland a lot, is that you don't build in height. Right. Okay. So the buildings are not oppressing. Uh, Romania tends to build in height. Uh, I suppose. It's part of the communism, uh, if you yeah, want. Yeah, the uh, brutalist architecture exactly, of communism, yeah. yeah. Uh, and buildings are grey and oppressing in some of the big cities, in, in, in not in what are the historical centres, but in sort of the newish, yeah. so 30, 40 years old neighbourhoods. And when I came here in Ireland and everything was visible from street right. level, it was a shock, because you only see that in the countryside. And I'm thinking, oh my God, like... This is one of the most developed yeah. countries of Europe, and uh, it looks like this. And I came to see the bless in that. It, it's very, it's very calming. It's it's right. stress reducing. And about stress, another thing that I'm going to mention is the fact that the rhythm of life in Ireland is at at its own leisurely pace, which is great. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying that people take it very very slowly or very, but the stress that I see in Eastern Europe generally. Uh, it, it, it's a rat race, if you want. Uh, everybody wants to get in front. Everybody is uh, yeah. elbowing everybody. Here it doesn't happen, or it doesn't happen at certain levels anyway. 
so you can have a tranquil life uh, yeah. without too much stress unless you probably induce it yourself. Yeah. Another thing that's great in Ireland is that people talk to each other. I mean, I remember the first time when I went to a pub <coughs> and people started talking to me. Yeah. And I was completely out of my comfort zone because you don't talk to strangers in Romania or in Eastern Europe pretty much generally. You talk to your friends. If you go out, you know, you have your group of friends and you sit at a table or sit at a bar and have fun and whatnot. But to talk to complete strangers is an experience that I've never lived before. <coughs> and generally, I suppose it's education at some point. Maybe it's ingrained in, yeah. in us. When I say us, Eastern Europe, that you, you, t- you tend to be suspicious. Like, what do they want from me? And people are genuine now. They don't want anything from you. They just want to hear your story. If they want yeah. anything, it's just your story, which is absolutely great. It's, we love a good story. Yeah, it's you true. do. You do. And you love talking to each other. And now when I go to Romania to visit relatives, family, whatnot, and I go into a bar and I sit at a bar and I see, and, and, I, and, and, I, and I, I try, to, well, not because I, w- I would not do it, but I'm thinking, I'd like to talk to somebody. And just the thought of it, of talking to somebody completely, uh, unacquainted with is, is just sends shivers down my spine so I'm actually out of my comfort zone now in Romania I've got used yes. to, to these cultural traits so much that I'm out of my comfort zone in Romania I don't like I don't like the, 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 the rhythm of life the stress of it yeah. the, you know the competition of it if you want uh, the fact that people are maybe not always polite they're very welcoming in Romania generally but people is all people are all always in a hurry so there's, yes. there's not much time to interact they're the good things and it, it'd be so easy to stop there but what about the the negative side of the immigrant story for you in ireland i suppose i suppose i don't think i had too bad of an of an immigrant story uh i mean i came in ireland in 2007 romania would have just joined the eu i bought a ticket i showed my passport and i came into the country i have friends who came in ireland before 2007, hopefully I won't get anybody in trouble, who had to come here pre-2007 on back of trucks uh, or on little boats or flew to UK, then they crossed the channel with a ferry boat, always being afraid that somebody's going to catch them. And they took a taxi from Belfast and they were dropped right across the border. And that was it. You make it your own. I mean, I hear horrendous stories. Funny stories now, as you yeah. tell them, you know, 20 years later. But horrendous stories. What was uh, the drive behind taking those risks? Economic migration. Economic they were in, migration. E- economic migrants. Romania came out very badly out of the communist experience, economically speaking, and not only economically, but that's the case here now. Um, we had a very bad experience transitioning into democracy and the uh, the, the market economy exactly and the market economy 2000 and I, I remember even now 2000 uh, sorry 1993 1994 were really really particularly bad years huge economic crash and then we had another one uh, just around 2010 2011 if I'm if I'm not wrong right. so people weren't leaving greatly of course it was it was an emerging democracy uh, it was emerging uh, um an emerging capitalist country and as in every transition country there were huge fortunes made and huge fortunes lost yeah a huge difference between well I, there wasn't even a middle class about the lower class and the, and the upper class and with nothing in between so people yeah. were living actually they were living in they, they're still living in droves I mean I'll give you an interesting stat after Syria 
Romania, proportionally, Romania is the biggest migrant country in the world. Wow. So um, Syrians are leaving Syria because they have they have yeah. war there. Uh, Romanians in, in in the world account for about 17 to 20 percent population of the country. In a country that's in this European Union, yeah. that has no conflict. It's a huge country as well. I mean, yeah, people, 18 people million. probably don't understand. No, yeah, it's, it's 18 million. Massive. 18 million. And again, estimations place the Romanian diaspora between 3 and 5 million. Wow. So yeah. there you go. 20, 20, almost 20, 23% of the population is living outside Romania. That's so a huge, huge yeah. emigration process. So their drive was economic, better life, better life for themselves and for their families. And that's exactly the same thing I'm hearing from my service users, the people I work with. Right? Yeah. Guys, like, why did you come to Ireland? Better life yeah. for me and my, my family. And so we'll, we'll move on to that now. So, you, I mean, you're involved in the, the Romanian community of Ireland as well. And yes, there, there was, <coughs> that's how it all started, I'll tell you. Really? Yeah. Yes, that's, that's how it all started. So, so you, you went to a dance? <laughs> uh, not, not, not quite, not quite. Uh, it, it, it was sort of a dance because it was an interview and an interview is always a dance, you know, or dance <laughs> around each other and try to put ourselves uh, the, the best face forward or the best foot forward. Um, now I saw I was so I've graduated in 2011. I finally acquired my PhD, and I thought, right, it's time to do something uh, job-wise because I was since I arrived into Ireland, I worked in the hospitality business, so hotels, yeah. generally hotels. Uh, I think I, I, I no, not, not I think I'm sure I liked it, and I still like it. I still like relating to people, talking to people. I, I think mm. I, I'm, 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 I'm a, I'm a very socially comfortable. So I liked that a lot. And after I've graduated, I said, right, it's time to do something. I have a diploma, I put it to, put it to work. Uh, I couldn't get anywhere with it uh, because I, first and foremost, and it's quite normal and understandable, I would have lost my social network, my academic network, yes. actually. So the professors that I would have studied with and worked with knew me, but they were in Italy. I had nothing here in terms of, of a... Um, uh, it was an academic network. I knew, yes, I, knew yeah. I, I knew no one. And it, it's quite a small academic community anyway. Exactly. So I, I've sent I've sent CVs um, everywhere I, I, I could uh, because I had Eastern studies and because, <clears throat> sorry, um, Ireland has quite a strong uh, conflict management center. I've sent emails there as well saying that, you know, I, I, my, my thesis was on conflict, conflict resolution as well, cultural oh, con conflict wow. resolution. So I sent I sent my thesis to the Ministry of, of, of Foreign Affairs here. Refusals everywhere. So I came up to a point where I wanted to do something. I couldn't find anything to, I suppose, put my energies into. Uh, and I was bored out of my head. I, was, I, I wasn't doing much, I'll tell you that. Uh, except I was going to gym and going out with friends sometimes. So my my then girlfriend uh, said, look, the, she saw on Facebook that the Romanian community of Ireland is looking for volunteers. Now I was quite, I was quite reticent. I didn't want to engage with a lot of Romanians. Uh, that's another yeah. story, I suppose. Romanians are very suspicious on each other, and <laughs> unfortunately, sometimes it turned out to be true. Yeah, uh, I, I've, I've, I'm taking my words back now. No, not all. Not all people are bad. 
Yeah. And not all Romanians are bad. Or I think there's there's groups like that in every look. In yeah. Every country. You, know, Doesn't you matter. could take Irish. You could take American. You could take exactly. English. I mean, it's all the same. If you yeah. think if you think how the Irish were treated in the states, you know, in the early times of the 1900s, it, it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. So, but I said, okay, might as well go and see what's the story there. Uh, and I met a bunch of amazing people. Yeah. Absolutely amazing people who are now my friends. A lot of them. Um, uh, the, the volunteers in that area are friends or even they became relatives because one of the girls is a godmother of my daughter. Oh, so that's how it all started. Uh, people driven by by all sorts of noble goals, promoting cultural identity, promoting Roma- Romanian culture, uh, Romanian language, uh, representation, uh, helping people generally. So helping, helping, helping among each other. I think that's the easiest way to say it. And... There is, there is a large <clears throat> Romanian community. I mean, I think there's something in and around 535,000 foreign nationals in Ireland in yeah. general. So I think, <clears throat> you know, about half a million plus, uh, which is quite quite a lot considering the population. But R- Romanians make up about somewhere, yeah. officially, well, somewhere about 40,000 and unofficially somewhere about 70,000. You're, you're about right. You're about right. Well, uh, Ireland has shifted... Hugely, and I can see it in my in my thirteen years living here. It's now twenty one percent migrant population in Ireland, yeah. out of a population of almost five. Yeah, million in and around five. Or less. Yeah. yeah, so so that's a huge change. And indeed, statistically, on like on figures on paper, census and all that, so everything proven, Romanian Romanians are the fifth largest nationality in Ireland wow. after the Polish. They're the first ones. Yeah. Not even the not even British citizens. British no. citizens came coming second. So it's Polish British they, they, citizens. after Brexit. They might come first. They might, come, <laughs> they might indeed. Funny enough, the number of number of applications for Irish passports uh, yeah. due to blood relatives in Ireland has increased greatly in the last couple of months. Yeah. Like greatly. So Polish, British, uh, Latvians, Lithuanians, and Romanians. These wow. are the, f- the five. The there five are top, top fives. Top five nationalities, yeah. So great numbers of Romanians. And this guy is in the Romanian community of Ireland, wanted to do great things, and I joined them. And I couldn't stop ever since. It's I've, I've been a volunteer with them for the last nine years. Sorry, 2011, 2020, yeah. Nine, yeah, nine yeah, years. Nine years, yeah. Can't believe it. And it's been a great experience. Why am I saying it all started there? Because they had structures. Uh, they did project management, something that was very foreign to me at that time, very alien. Uh, they knew how to do stuff. Uh, they had a long-term plan. So I learned a lot of things. And I learned community building work there. That's 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 what actually set the basis for what I'm doing now, nine yeah. years later. So then in 2015, one of the, the, the former uh, chairperson of the Romanian Committee of Ireland, Anka Lupu, who is a model for me, like she's a legend for me, to be honest with you, became the CEO of New Communities Partnership, which is pretty much the only migrant-led organization, community building organization in Dublin. Right. So she became the CEO there and a position became available. I've interned with, I would have interned with them for, not interned, volunteered with them for about a year and a half beforehand. So when the position became available, I've applied, I got a job. So I worked in implementing PSYCOP, the the project I was telling you before, yeah. for almost three years. So I was I, I was sort of familiar with the work, which yes. is not so targeted to the Roma community. 
And then I thought I want to become a solicitor or a barrister. So I moved away into working with um, law companies. So I did that for about a year and a half. I realized I have a lot more flexibility actually by uh, being an advocate. Yes. So I, I, I turned back when the, when, the chance, when the chance was offered to me. I came back into community building work with the co-op now doing this Roma employment and training project. So that's my professional, very succinctly, my professional continuum. Yes, in yeah, Ireland. very good. And so working with the with the Roma community, how many people in the Roma community here uh, in, in general, in Ireland? It's very hard to estimate. Uh, sorry, very hard to say. We, we, we're, we're going by estimates, um, and I'll tell you why. So I'll give you the figures and then I'll tell you why. Uh, we're, we're thinking somewhere between four and 5,000 uh, members of the Roma community here in Ireland. I think the numbers are greater than that, maybe double the number. It's hard to capture the numbers because we're talking about a population that's very mobile. It moves from one place to another very, very easily from town to town, from county to county. And even in the same town or in the same city, they move quite a lot. A lot of them would be homeless, so it's very hard to count as well. So therefore, we, it's very hard for us to have numbers. Then sometimes they would not identify, well, they would not declare that they're Roma, they're members yes, of the Roma yeah. community, being afraid of, st- of stigma, being afraid of discrimination. So they would say they're Romanians because a lot of them would be Romanian passport yeah. holders. So they, they wouldn't say that they're Roma, we're, we're Romanians, you know. Um, a lot of them would be illiterate or they would not speak the language. So if yeah. asked, they wouldn't know what to answer anyway. Yeah. So if they if they show the identity card of the country of origin where they're from, they would be put down as wherever being, that is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. From so that's why it's very very hard to to pinpoint actual numbers of the. But we're thinking somewhere in the region of seven to eight thousand, and I think rising. You have how many clients on your books at at, at any one time? I had fifty. I have fifty one uh, cases opened altogether throughout two thousand nineteen. Thirty six working with. Uh, on an almost day-to-day basis. Yeah. So 50, let's say around number 50. Four, and nine you're, months you're helping project. them with employment, you're helping them with education. Uh, yeah, yeah. well, I'm, I'm helping them with anything I can and can help them. And I hope the Department of Justice and Equality, who supports the project, would not be listening too close into this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm only joking, of course. I don't see employment going anywhere or succeeding unless you sort out a couple of other things around around the person that tries tries to hold or access and hold the job. I mean, if there's no stable environment in what regards, say, housing, that person won't be able to keep the job. If there's no education, what's at least the minimum necessary, because a lot of people and here is about challenges. Uh, a lot of them would be literate, so they yeah. they, they don't know how to read and write. Uh, in Romanian, nonetheless, you know, other languages, uh, numeracy, uh, um, literacy problem, problems would be present as well. So unless they, they, they have coping mechanisms and they, unless they have instruments whereby they can succeed a little bit, they won't be able to hold a job. Language issues, again, how can you hold a job when you can't communicate uh, efficiently? Uh, I know a lot of them, a lot of the service users I work with work with Romanians, so that's that's one of the problems alleviated. But how long is that going to hold? What if they need to change jobs? What if they need yeah. to change places? Um, family, uh, family um, responsibilities as well. Generally, families in the Roma community, just like the traveler uh, community, 
tend to be uh, quite numerous. So I'm, I'm, I'm working with families that have eight, ten children. So one parent sometimes is not is not enough to yes to raise or to rear or the children. So the second parent should be sometimes present as well. So if 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 the person working is not sure that the children are safe or being brought to school or brought from school or fed or whatever, it's hard for them again to keep a job. Focus if the, on the job. Exactly. Yeah. If there's no so those skills, foundations yeah. of ho- home. Yep. language yeah and and then you know the, the the security of family yeah and and life skills as well life skills would be another thing uh these people don't have the language skills don't have the um computer literacy literacy skills or anything else to to, to sort out their problems so if they need to go to a doctor if they need to, to, yeah. to sort of their the tax affairs if they need to apply I suppose for child benefit it's one of the things so, you know, I'm trying to get an idea of what it must be like for somebody from the Roma community to get a job. Because, I mean, if I'm straight up and honest about it, they're highly stigmatized in this country because, yeah, right. and I, I throw out these terms because these are the things that I've heard is begging gangs. Uh, we, we have one level of uh, contempt for beggars and one level of contempt for begging gangs. You know, that yeah. this is the, the way they associate the Roma community being involved in that, uh, the, the homelessness element of that. The transient nature of it is definitely a stigma as well. You know, you know, why should I give this person a job? They're going to just move on. Or, or even worse, steal from me or, you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just what I've heard. And I, I think I would be a fairly open-minded person, yet these are the, and I hang around with open-minded people, but these are the things that I hear and these are the the, uh, the stereotypes that I hear. I mean, is any of that true or what's the dream for people from the Roma community? Is it is it different from everybody? Is it just this economic need that they have? Like Stephen, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hide behind the finger, you know, and play a game that uh, I suppose I don't know others are playing or not. Like, some of it is true, and I, I'm, I'm not gonna say. And I'm gonna say even more than that. Beyond bagging and 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 gangs of bagging, we have uh, human trafficking. There's a human trafficking uh, element to this. There is modern slavery to this as well. There's drugs in, in trafficking Ireland. as well in Ireland. In Ireland, in Ireland, yes. But this is the exception to the rule. So there are people who do that. There are people like that in all the communities in Ireland. Yeah. I mean, what's, not, what's shocking when you hear for the about Roma, that? For the Roma, it's not greater numbers or lower numbers than others. The, yeah. the, main, the, the, the main element or the, the, the great numbers of the Roma community are people just like you and me who have their dreams... So, sorry, I've interrupted you, and we'll go no, back to no, that. No, 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 absolutely. But who have yeah. the same needs, the same dreams. Uh, they're normal people, just they're a, a, a bit less fortunate than, than most of us. You, I mean, what you're describing, the, the, even the, the, even even one instance of slavery in this country is one too many. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I'd be be horrified to think that anybody would have that experience at all i mean the, the human trafficking as as well you know you know there was there was some shocking news obviously in the essex uh, truck incident and you know so we know we know that it's happening but we never kind of see the end result or the people who who you know get to ireland as you say you know in the back of trucks what happens to them then i mean they might end up as a service user of of, of yours uh, but I mean, if anybody's having that experience, have you had people come to you and have a, a particularly bad experience of Irish bosses? I suppose we're talking about good boss, bad boss. Yeah. I mean, uh, do, you, do you have service users that come to you and go, look, this is happening? And you kind of go, oh, my God. 
but I, I, I'll give you examples, some little examples. I've had people who have worked and didn't have their hours paid. I had people who worked and did not have their taxes paid. So when they lost their job, being for nine months or 12 months into a job, knowing that you're working your every week hours, paying your taxes, you know, so there's a safety net if something happens and going to the social welfare you office. Paid your stamps. Exactly. You're, you know, at least you, there's something there and they're going to an entree office or to a community welfare office and saying, you have nothing paid. You're not or, on the you books. Know, you're not on the books. You, you or people taken, being taken on, um, being told that they work, they pay taxes, whatever, and they find out at the end of the employment or after the job finishes that they were actually registered as self-employed and not even registered by themselves, but by the people that were paying them. So right. This so, is so they've missed out on all their obligations as a exactly. self-employed person. As obligations well. and then whatever whatever uh, rewards you have from from there, therefore from yeah. the, from that system. So I I know this is not a clear example of you know modern slavery, but th- then again it is because yeah. you're taking advantage of people who do not know uh, the system, uh, don't know their own surroundings, and you're doing whatever you think it's appropriate for yourselves and not for the person that works for you. You're getting something for them from them for free. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is, you know, it's, it's immoral, it's illegal, yeah, you know, unless definitely. that deal has been done. Absolutely. Definitely. People can work for free. They, there's discretionary effort, but it usually happens yeah. on agreement as opposed to... Yeah, yeah, well, and because they're sometimes afraid of saying because they're losing their jobs. I mean, p- people paid under the minimum wage. I, I've known people who worked up until last year for eight euros an hour. Yeah. So there you go. Or even, you know, sometimes even less, but they're rather the exceptions. But yeah, there, there, there are a lot of things like this happening. And I think that up two years ago or two years and a half ago, there was a case of workers in a, in a factory, I'm not gonna say, give any more details, who were discovered in a house somewhere in the Midlands and there were about 30 of them living in the same house. Uh, they were paid measly wages. They were paying rent, even though they were about thirty something in a four-bed house. Yeah, so they were taken from work uh, to the house and taken from the house to work, and that was their life. I mean, if that's not a form of modern slavery, modern slavery, I don't know what that is. As for human trafficking, prostitution generally is yeah. what happens. I know you say we don't see it, but yeah. I think if we look closely. We do see it. If we want to see it, we will be able to see it. I mean, the, the prostitution in, in, in trafficking for that is 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 a whole other crime. Uh, yes. And yeah. a whole other conversation. But even just thinking of it in terms of work, those people who were just shipped to work and, and asked to stay. Pe- you know, some people would say that's exaggerated and say, well, no, it's, you know, uh, we hear about those those exceptional cases, but that doesn't really happen. The fact is, it just does. It does happen. It does. It, it does. It does happen. I mean, I'm thinking, the fishing industry, for example, in Ireland, does the same with some of the migrants coming from Africa and from the Far East, out to sea, I suppose days and end or weeks and end, yeah. and paid measly wages, you know, in proper housing conditions and that sort of stuff. So it, it does happen because, unfortunately, horrible bosses would be present everywhere in the world. And I'm, I'm not saying this is something specific to Ireland. I, I can tell you even more horrible stories from Romania. Yeah. Uh, one of the other reasons why the members of the Roma community from Romania are coming to Ireland, because no matter how bad they have it here in Ireland, what they have in Romania or the way they're treated or, or Hungary or Bulgaria or Greece or the Czech Republic, 
or the Slovak Republic is a lot worse than what's yeah. here in Ireland. And you'll read on comment boards then, people going, oh, they should be lucky, you know, they have it good here, you know, because we, we'll pay child benefit or, you know, if they lose their job, they'll get, they'll get benefit, you know, until they get another job. So they should be lucky to be here. So who cares if there's 30 of them to, to a house or who cares if, the, you know, they're, they're lucky to have it. And then you kind of think, well, yeah, but should we not be proud that we're giving it? You know, could we not flip that around and go, well, no, they're not lucky to have it. We're lucky we're able to give it. You know, you're right. I, I actually never looked at it like that. I never looked at it. And you're absolutely right. I mean, and funny enough, Ireland has a, a, has a brilliant tradition in, in human aid. And yes, it's generally yeah. considered to be a very, a very giving country. And there's another side to it. Ireland can relate very, very well to the migrant experience. I mean, almost every Irish family has an uncle, a brother, a grandfather or whatever who has emigrated at some point in their life, being America, being Canada, being Australia. So they can relate to that. And I have to, I have to give credit where credit is due. Ireland is one of the countries that I feel discrimination, because you asked me earlier on in the interview about my own migrant experience. It wasn't all, it wasn't generally bad. I spoke the language, I suppose, yes, there were, I was rather an exception because I spoke the language, I was educated, I was traveled a bit, so I, I adapted quite easily. But generally, I did not feel I did not feel hostility towards myself. Right, yeah. Very rarely, and it was a, a drunken word just thrown there from somebody who was inebriated up to their yeah. eyeballs. Generally, you know, it didn't happen. To me. I, I know it's there, and it's 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 a very subtle sort of discrimination that happens in Ireland, and it's 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 seldom expressed. Uh, and that's that's the thing that worries me. And maybe it, we can it's get a in feeling. Yeah, and maybe we can get in the discussion. But generally you don't get the discrimination thing in mm. Ireland. Uh, but I'm looking at it from, and you're right saying that, yes, you're lucky to give it because, you know, you worked hard and you, you, you're generous enough to, yeah, to gift, I mean, sort of. But it's anybody a Anybody right was around well. in the 80s <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> will yeah, know yeah, that this yeah. country wasn't doing so yeah. well. So, I mean, for, for us to be able to actually, you know, for people to want to come in here means that, Geez, we've we've won. We, that's brilliant. We, that's we've, true. We've done a great thing. That like, is I mean, true. And, and that was off the back of, 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 Irish people who worked here and everybody else who came the half a million other people you know who from about 2000 or you know the late 90s onwards that came created a situation where people want to come here yeah I think that's a good success story I mean you know a lot of people can be down about uh, immigration and a lot of people can be down about multiculturalism and yeah absolutely you you know what I think people have to forget is there has to be a bit of assimilation because that's just a fact of life there has to be you can't get a wise and expect everything to be okay there has to be uh, you, you know you have to get involved in the community for want of a better yeah. word uh, if it's going to go well but it is a success story in this country compared to other countries up to the moment yes up, up to the moment I would yeah. I, now I, I, I would I would just there to contradict you on one point, go, go. I, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't say a com, um, you know assimilation, but I would say uh, I would say a, a conscious effort to get involved. Yeah, I, I believe I believe a lot uh, into into giving back. You yeah. know, I think Ireland gave me a lot. Um, I suppose culturally, education-wise, informal education. Uh, it, it gave me. I suppose Ireland contributed to being, or the Irish experience contributed to being what I am now as an adult. So I like yeah. I like giving back. So I, I I believe that not migrants or or or, or Irish people, you know, the the, the, the local hosts yeah. uh, 
should all get involved into into the matters of of the city you know as yeah. as, as it was called in, in you know in the in the antique greece i think we all have a word to say and i think ireland indeed you're right is a success story because ireland allows is very permissive from that point of view for everybody to have a to have a say i mean from public participation networks who are consultation networks with the civil society uh, the local authorities or councillors who are more than you know willing to listen to anybody of course because there's votes behind it but they they are li- willing to listen i'm comparing this to the political system rather when when you're lo- a local councillor or a, or or a, or a, a member of the romanian parliament God, nobody can talk to you anymore because you're yeah. up there in the, you, you know in your in your I mean, yeah, ivory yeah, tower. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a culture based on communication, and I, I and I absolutely love this. So you're right; it it is it is a model. It's worrying now with all this yeah. right wing starting to happen, with all this anti anti migration, and in this context, indeed, members of the Roma community are particularly hit because they're yes. they're easily identifiable as targets. General, they're very vulnerable because they can't fight back. They're on, they're not sort of organized, political wise. Yes, uh, they they don't have the language, so it's easy. <coughs> how much of that is real, and how much of that is very few voices are given a very loud platform from that right wing perspective? I feel, and I could be wrong. I think most people are grand. You know, because they have to sell papers, because they have to have uh, hard hitting interviews. You know, they give a voice to them so they can be outraged back. <laughs> if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's it's a vicious circle. The one that the, the model that you're proposing. I think I think I think it's a it's a combination of both. I think generally, indeed, Irish people are not grand. They're absolutely brilliant. So right. I'll give them that. You know, but I think there are a few very strong voices who find the right medium, and unfortunately, social media is one of them. Yeah, and I think people are afraid as well. I think that's I think that's where this story sells so well. I mean, if you look back at the Celtic Tigers when everybody was having a great fun. Now I suppose yes, the migrant population wasn't as numerous as it is now. But I think it was nobody actually, gave you, a darn. I think it was actually more numerous. I think we're down 11% from well, the height of the Celtic Tigers. There you, you go. So nobody gave a darn. <laughs> Yeah, where you came from, as long as you could work, yeah. and you know, can you work? Can you get it done by Tuesday? Exactly, that's <laughs> it. Uh, I think now people are afraid. There's a lot of competition for resources. Uh, I know this sounds, you know, very left, 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 left sort of wing policy, and I'm, I'm, I actually have a horror when it comes to left, left, left wing policies coming from an ex-communist yeah, country. Yeah. But I find myself that social policies actually work. That's a difference. But that's not the story again. So it's a competition for resources. In a country where you have over 10,000 people who are homeless and you have this cohort of people like the members of the Roma community who are generally homeless, who generally can't afford... Uh, you know, renting privately, who compete for resources at the end of the day, because that's what it is. Yeah. Houses are, you know, housing is a resource. Should be a right, but unfortunately, it's a resource. Yeah. So when these people compete with the Roman indigenous population, who is equally in a bad shape, I mean, I'm thinking of the inner city where you yeah. have intergenerational uh, homelessness, intergenerational joblessness, intergenerational drug abuse. So you have people in equally, you know, bad situations. They're competing with each other. And unfortunately, in Ireland's capital, well, main newspapers are, where main radio stations are, where main bloggers, whatever, you see it there, so it, it gets amplified. People are afraid that other people will come in and this time not steal their jobs or steal their, I don't know what, yeah. but steal their houses. So yes, it is, it is yeah. a problem. And it's funny enough, it's a problem that's generated by a social policy. 
at the end of the day. It's not generated by hatred, uh, you know, by, by xenophobia or by Irish people being, you know, yeah. discriminatory in general. It's just a bad housing policy. But I mean, the, the proportion of people who would be non-Irish in that homelessness situation would be so small that it kind of would seem ridiculous to blame those people. But it's very know, visible. But, but I think it's, it's very uh, visible. I mean, look, look at the anti, look at the anti-refugee uh, movement. It's one of the yes, reasons yeah. that's being promoted. There, you know, we can't house our own. Why? Why should we house refugees? And it's again around housing, yeah. and it's a stupid thing if you think about yeah. it. But then again, you know, there's this, there's these people that uh, you know go into local communities where I suppose hubs for refugees were meant to be built, and say no, no, because they're going to disrupt yes, our, yeah. our communities. Protest, gonna yeah. dis- and it's ridiculous. And a country that used to flee famine yeah. more than 150 years ago to turn around and say no, we don't want. I mean, you see, fully enough. Resort, when you talk about the argument of resources, we have space. We have lots of space. What we don't have is the right buildings in the right spaces. That's true as well. And because, as you say, everything's in Dublin, and we keep forgetting to build in yeah. the rest of the country, yeah, right, yeah. where there is acres of space. Like, the population in and around 5 million is the same as the population of Greater Manchester. There you, you go, know? yeah. So that, that tiny little space of Greater Manchester has the same amount of people as this whole island. You know, so we have the space. We just need the right buildings. And actually, you know, I don't see, I don't see why we can't take a hit on that. I mean, if we're if we're able to spend money on on what is it, white water parks? I th- I yeah. think maybe we could throw a bit of money onto yeah. some some uh, greater needs, but just put it outside of Dublin because the the whole thing is if you crowd everything in Dublin, well then you actually strain the resources that are there. Yeah, that's true. And people would need to think like this as well. And not only not only planners, you know, I suppose people in power yeah. or whatever. But people need to kind of shift this. I mean, I'd, I'd be great for me if I didn't have to commute from Ashbourne to Dublin. But, you know, I'm going where my business is at the yes, end of the yeah. day. But if, if, if services could be, you know, could be s- sort of spread out in the greater metropolitan area and yeah. factories kind of built around the belt, I'm sure it'll be cheaper to rent. Absolutely. It'll be more efficient, you know. Um, housing would be cheaper as well. It's this concept that we're going to, you know, to the con- to this conglomerate that's the capital of, yeah. of, of, of any country at the end of the day, you know, because that's where the things happen. It, we, we could talk about that, yes. that, that forever. I mean, br- bringing it back to, to the work that you do. So people come to you, you know, as you say, about 56 since last May or whatever, have, have come to you. Are there good bosses out there who actually deal with people and and help them through things, you know what I mean? Or, or do you only ever see the bad side no, of things? They're no, defi- they're definitely good people. Good bosses, and I, I wouldn't even call them bosses anymore. They're not. They're, well, I, I know that you know technically they're bosses, but they're big. There's some very big-hearted people out there. When I started the project, I was very reluctant. I mean, I was um, Noel Noel Warwick, the CEO. Um, when when the co-op uh, won the the the, the, the competition, uh, contacted me because he knew me from NCP earlier on asking me if, if I'm interested in I, I've never told Noel this so probably he's going to listen to it now uh, he asked me if, if 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 you know there's a position available if I would like to compete for it to apply and one of the one of the reasons I, why I didn't at first apply was that I was very reluctant uh, I didn't believe that the project would be a success because not because 
people in the Roma community don't want to work. That's that was definitely not one of yeah. my 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 ideas. But because I knew what they're up against. But then again, nine months later, because I've been nine months in the job, I'm surprised to see we've supported seventeen people in employment. So it's fifty one percent I worked with throughout the year. Generally, I engaged very very on on a on a day to day basis almost thirty six. So even if you look from the greater number it's almost a 25% success rate and if you look at the smaller number it's almost it's almost a 50% success rate yeah, which know. comes down of course to the efforts to the members of the Roma community who wanted to work but that comes to the people that employed them as well and i suppose pilo is one of the examples because there's people that um, are service users and work here in the in the Pila Hotel. I came right. here to the general manager, Daryl Penny, knowing him because I worked myself in the Pila years ago, and I told Daryl uh, what I'm doing and what I'm pitching for, and Daryl said, definitely. There was a project similar um, promoted by the Irish government where people started doing apprenticeships and all that and said, yeah, I know exactly what we're talking about. If you're putting in the work to offer us your support because yes it's quite support intensive as in I need to talk to the service users that have issues at work there's communication issues that there's admin issues and all that so I support not only the not only the person working in the place but I support the business taking them on as well right, yeah. so there, if there's any issues whatsoever they call me they explain to me what the situation is and then if I if, if it's admin I take care of it if it's letters I take care of it if it's the the employer itself the employee itself I talk to person saying, "Look, this is what they want," or saying, "You're not adhering to rules, or you're 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 late to work, or whatnot." Anyway, yeah, so we can iron all these things. So, pillow is one of so the. So you examples. take out you take out a lot of those, uh, you know, what might might be difficult for people with language barriers and, and things yeah. like that. And you're actually there as a a, a resource for the employer as well. Yeah, that, exactly, exactly. So, uh, I suppose if there's things to be communicated or if there's stuff that the employer needs uh, see, re- revenue registrations or I suppose if there's stuff around safe passes or manual handling yeah. that they need to do and they don't provide it on site I can take care of that I can, I can outsource that or I don't know clothing yeah. uh, I can I can appeal to some of the charity organizations that do offer that uh, even stupid things that you wouldn't think like pulling people together to carpool uh, yes, like yeah, get, yeah. getting to two, get, three, four get to people work. to get to work, you know, <laughs> like work, that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's funny how many things you kind of take on without even realizing because people need it, and and without even rea- like Irish people who 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 haven't had the immigrant experience won't have realized that these are all challenges. That yeah, we'll have thought of the language barrier. That obviously, if we went to work in Romania. Uh, yeah, it through Romanian. Uh, good luck, because <laughs> yeah, exactly. we're definitely not as good at taking on languages uh, as other people, and we ex- we're we're so spoilt that everywhere we go, you know, you we, are lucky indeed. Yes, we just talk slowly and loudly, and eventually they'll get us. Yeah. <laughs> but the the idea of carpooling, how how to get there? Because yeah, you do, you won't have transport, and sometimes the job is not going to be on a, a, a serviced, uh, you know, bus, bus yeah, bus, bus route, corridor, yeah, or, or um, train uniform. Uh, or, or clothes that you turn up to work in, you know, you don't, you can't turn up in the same thing every day. You don't, you, we, we don't think, I mean, not that, not that you, I do, I didn't think about this. I mean, it, 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 so, some of the things that we take for granted and are common sense for us, you know, yeah. coming to work, 
shaven. Well, it's not my case because I have quite a stuffy beard, but, <laughs> you know, shaven or showered or, you know, nails clipped or whatever. Yeah. Generally looking, you know, presentable. Yeah. We take these for granted and we don't even think about them. I have people in employment yeah. who are sleeping rough, who are rough sleepers. They don't have a place to live. I'm thinking to them, right, I'm going to ask them to shower and wash their clothes, but where? You know, and you'd, and you'd think, yes. you'd think oh, why are they on the street if they're earning money? Various reasons, a lot of reasons, and generally they're not full-time employment, so they can't get enough money to get wages. Maybe some of them would have been substance uh, users, yeah. and they're off it now. They want to make, make, make a better life, so they're, they're transitioning. But I'm thinking, how will I tell these people to shower and shave when they, when they yeah. sleep in a tent? Yeah, near red near near the red cow, more than the red cow. Out of every places, and yeah. under one of the bridges around there, there were actually two people there. They made a little shanty. So yeah, living there. And I know the Capuchin brothers offer shower services and all that, but they can't always but, get there. But what takes us five minutes to go? Oh, I better get off my couch and yeah. have a shower. Yeah, it takes. takes they, could they take them half a day? A, a to day's get there. planning, you know, yeah. a day's planning yeah. uh, indeed. But there are good co- going back because I have to say, and I'm 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 not I'm 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 not saying this because you know we were in a way introduced by by uh, by James. Uh, James is another great example. So James is a great boss. I mean, he he worked with members of the Roma community even before I came in the, in in the picture. I heard of James through a service user. James would have uh, he would have interviewed in Verkomos with James, and he had problems understanding James. And he sent him a text, and that's when I copped on. He's a recruiter, yeah. And I said it wouldn't hurt to give him a call. I told him who I am, and he said, "Yeah, we we got Mitch." Yeah, because I mean I've been doing this, and uh, it was hard for him as well. So I think I think we're the perfect fit from that point of view, because I mean he takes care of the employment bit, yeah, of all the legal bits, exactly. all the contracts. I all take that kind of care. Stuff. I take care of you know of all the admin stuff, telling people where to go. Like he was a godsend, to be honest with you. And I have to say, uh, a great number from the successes of the people that I'm working with are, in great part, due to due to James, because James was willing to take on people who other employers thought would not have a chance. And I have, I have, I'll give you, I'll give an example. Single father, so the the mother is deceased since a good number of years. So father of five, no English whatsoever, no school whatsoever out in Romania. Uh, so no reading, no writing, no speaking English. I couldn't get him a job anywhere, anywhere. James was willing to take him on to give it a shot. Yeah, which happened. Now this person works full time in a factory has moved from emergency accommodation into stable accommodation. He's now approved uh, for state supports in what regards, uh, in what regards uh, rent, uh, rent allowance. Yeah. So hopefully someone will, will, will make the same leap of faith as James did and rent him a house. So then he's regularized. He's like everybody else. He's gonna live in a yeah. house, take care of his kids, rear his kids, go to work, you know, because a lot of the supports that that, that person would be entitled to are, are are hinging on a job. So if people will say, yeah, they're gonna go to work for a while and then and then they're gonna be offloading for the rest of their life, it's not the case because they still need to work in order to access some of the state services. It's not even this generation that I'm so much interested into. But if you present to those children, if if they see a model whereby a parent wakes up every morning and goes to work, and is able to offer them 
you know, uh, a regular lifestyle with, with food on the table, with, you know, groceries, shopping and all that. Yeah. That's going to be a model for themselves. So we got to break the cycle at some point. Yeah. So I, I see more than giving people jobs. I think hopefully people like James, for example, are giving people life chances. Sorry. Yeah. So. You're getting emotional yeah, here I mean, when you think about it. I mean, sorry. that's a powerful thing, isn't it? That a, an employer can do is you're not giving somebody a job, you're giving them a chance in life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and, and sorry, for, when, when for somebody's affluent, when, you know, when it's you or me, you know, when you give us a job, yeah, it's just another path our, yeah. our, our, on the continuum of our career. But when you give somebody there who's, who's at that low level of education, low level of security, stability in their life is such a low level. When yeah. you give them that, you're, you're, that's a lottery win. It is. It is. I mean, as you said, it, it, it might seem very little for us, but it just, it's just a matter of perspective at the, end, at the end of the day. For them is a lot. For them is a lot. And there's people who would fight, fight, you know, nail and tooth to get something like that. Yeah. So so that's a that's a seismic shift in their own mindset as well. Huge, huge. And the mindset that you're talking about from the employer point of view, from the boss point of view, is just been open to give it a shot. Exactly. Give yeah. it a shot. Yeah. And from your point of view, if you have 36 people on the books, you just need another 17 or so employers to go, yeah, okay, I'll give yeah. somebody a shot. Yeah. yeah. Maybe not even 17 employers, maybe, maybe a couple of other employers who, you know, who can hire a number of them because generally, generally members, members of the Roma community, they're, they're great at something. They're great at supporting each other. Yeah, because they're such a closed community because they've been, I suppose, hit on so many times. Yeah. They, they 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 do form themselves into a very hard core, hardened so they, in the fire of discrimination. Exactly. And, and so abuse. they do they do they do support each other. I, I I can see I can see the passion in them and the desperation in them on the other side as well. So, I mean, as I said at the beginning of, of this chat, because this this wasn't yeah. even an interview, like these people have the same. I mean, the same aspirations as we all do. What, what do we all want? A bit of physical security, yeah. a bit of financial security, a bit of, you know, uh, health security. That's and, and, and a predictable future. But that's what you're actually gifting people is security and then they can build their self-esteem yeah, and, yeah. and perhaps change the next generation, as you say. I think that's, the, I think, I think that's where it's really, really, really important. It's, it's, we're, we're building, I suppose, mechanisms now or, or good habits for the next generation to, to be able to build on. I, I, think that, I think that's how you build communities at the end of the day. Just showing people that they can, giving them a chance as well, and telling the others around them, see the people they are past their own looks, but see how they behave and what they want and support them. Yeah. I think, I, I think it's the most that anybody of us can, can, can ask. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this now to, in this time where everybody's getting a little bit nationalistic, a little bit anti-immigration, a little bit, you know, that, that battle over resources, all I'd say is be generous and be more generous than, than you've been before because we're very privileged here that we can be that generous. You know, if, and if you, can't be, if you can't be generous, at least be kind. Rarish, this has been a, a brilliant conversation. I'm sure it's not the last we will have. Looking forward to, yeah, any yeah. time. It, it was a 
pleasure as well. And uh, I, I didn't even think we'll get into so many things. Thank you very much. Thank you. Rarish's passion for his work is obvious. We're lucky to have people like him working to create a better society that cares for people in the most vulnerable situations. If you think you can help Rarish in his work to change not just one life, but the lives of the generations to follow, then you can visit www.dublincitycommunitycoop.ie or email him at rarish at dublincitycommunitycoop.ie. It was a pleasure to talk to and to learn from him. So thank you, Rarish. And thank you also to the Pillow Hotel in Ashburn and James Gibbons Recruitment, who both get the Good Boss badge for making this possible. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us the greatest favour and share it with all your friends. Give it a five-star rating on iTunes too. And as usual, if you have a guest you'd like to hear from, or you have some comment on the show, please drop me a mail at stephen at stephennaughton.com. You can find more from me on Instagram at goodbossbadbosspodcast, and I'll be back next month with another Good Boss, Bad Boss guest. Until then, Happy New Year. <laughs>